What's up, y'all? It's Al Lover. Um, back with another Elevated Transmissions podcast for you. Um, it's the second week that we're doing this, and uh, I'm pretty stoked to have my man Chris Catalina here with us. Um, this was recorded a while back when we were working on the Pet Sounds compilation, so I'm um, going to talk a little about that. If you guys don't know, Chris Catalina is a... Austin, Texas musician. I think he's from somewhere else, Bryan, Texas or somewhere. I don't know. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's an Austin uh, staple in the music scene, and he is quite the talented, unique, and hysterical human being. Uh, one of my good friends. I met him touring Europe with uh, Christian Bland. He was playing keys, uh, in Christian's band, Christian Bland and the Revelators, and we became fast friends. Uh, he's got a great sense of humor, um, super talented musician, and just overall good dude. Learned a lot from him on that trip, and continue to learn from him as he is full of wisdom and is wise beyond his years. Even though I, he's probably pretty old, maybe 73 at heart. Um, but yeah, so. Chris and I take some time to uh, talk about his influence, um, uh, the Beach Boys' influence on him, uh, his music. You know, he's been a fan since he was a little kid. We talk about that. uh, The Beach Boys' influence in popular culture via movies, radio, just being around it in, uh, you know, in uh, growing up as a youth in the 80s and 90s and whatnot. So, um, yeah. He's, uh, he's worth listening to uh, in more than just music. His, his words will inspire you. So here we are with uh, my main man, Chris Catalina, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Peace. <laughs> Do I look weird, man? Yeah, you look weird as hell, dude. I got my lights. You see my look at this. You have lice? Oh yeah, I got the lights. Oh, all right. You thought I said lice. Yeah, you should get that taken care of. I'm like in a, I'm in a miniature suit in the lice studio. <laughs> <laughs> get some shampoo, bro. Well, uh, thanks for doing this, man. You're the first one. Well, I'm really excited that I could be here with you today, man. Yeah, I'm glad we're in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we could have gone into my van and done this, but that would have been pretty cool, actually. But we're, you know, I'm glad we can be here together in Skype spirit. <laughs> well, it makes me feel pretty good about it. I feel comfortable. Um, yeah. So, just wanted to. The idea here is to kind of like get your, you know, a little a little of your history with the record, Pet Sounds, and kind of why you chose the song you did and you know, why it has a special significance to you. And I know that you were, you told me initially, you know, you've been, you've been practicing these songs for a long time, huh? Like this is a record that goes back with you for a while. Right. This wasn't my, uh, yeah. Whenever I was 
asked whenever you asked brought the idea up i was very excited because yeah i had been playing these songs for quite a number of years and uh felt really good about playing and practicing them and playing them and it kind of made it a little easier to decide on what song i wanted to do and that i'd already played most all of them and a lot of them on smile too i still i've been just real uh just real into the piano arrangements of, of both of those records. And I, I guess that's what initially caught my ear to to study it further because the arrangements are so unique. They are, man. They're they're crazy. And and when I was, you know, kind of going into this and thinking of bands, I was like, man, like these are some pretty I mean, it's, you know, I don't know enough, I guess, technically about music to know if it's simple or not, but I know that, I mean, just the lushness and the complexity of the texture and everything that goes into these songs is, it's it's kind of a lot, you know? And it, it, initially I was like, man, like, are these bands going to be able to, to pull this <laughs> off? And everyone really killed it, man. Yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine that there's a, you know, a Hal Blaine and every city of people that you had you know because he used the musicians that are on the uh the record are so good but yeah it's it, well, yeah it's all the wrecking crew right it, it, a lot of them carol yeah. Kay playing bass and so it it is an initially intimidating task but uh when you break it down what people are doing it, it's the strength in numbers almost you yeah, know it's yeah, like totally it's not it's not that it's 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 not the most complicated arrangements ever written that's but you know but it's complicated in that there are a lot of different melodies going on at once so yeah it's like a Phil Spector kind of thing like just tons of stuff going on at the same time yeah I'm sure that was a heavy influence on the way he looked at recording because I think a lot of the same musicians were with that producer too yeah. So when did you kind of first get introduced to, to the Beach Boys and or Pet Sounds? Uh, like, was this something like your your pops was listening to back in the day or? The first time I ever heard the Beach Boys was, have you seen the movie The Teen Wolf? With Michael J. Fox, where he, turns, where he turns into a werewolf. <laughs> of course, man. I used to love Classic. that mo- a movie as a child. And uh, if my memory serves correctly, which, you know. <laughs> that's questionable 50, 50 rolling the dice here <laughs> but uh i remember him car surfing to the surfing song oh yeah he did huh and i remember thinking what you know uh as a little boy i mean i don't know how old i was maybe like six or seven years old <laughs> but i remember thinking that was so cool you know movies were the first medium i'd found you know to discover music as a child you know yeah totally whether it was fantasia or popeye or uh just goofy disney movies uh and teen wolf was one that were that song stuck out and that kind of uh i guess made me uh receptive to the beach boys overall in that it's such a it's it's so it's such a fun and exciting song about surfing and you know that uh it's it's irresistible yeah i mean set to that image too like the teen wolf on yeah on, on the damn car band. Surfing. 
Yeah, I just and I remember, you know, as a as a child that affected me and you know, so as I think I think I'm whenever I was about fifteen years old, uh for Christmas, my mother bought me uh pets pet sound C D and uh Sergeant Pepper and The Doors, L.A. Woman, and a handful of CDs that she thought, okay, well, this, you know, things I kind of showed interest in. and We'll set him on the path to Satanism very early. <laughs> yeah. And at, the, at, at that point, I was able to study it, you know, to, yeah. on a superficial level, kind of just in listening. Not, I, did, I didn't really start playing those songs until maybe five years ago. But at that point, I was able to really just take it all in. It's an easy record to like, you know. It's one of those records that's it's kind of low-hanging fruit in a way, but it's obvious to me why that is because it's it's so unique. It's one. Of, it's it's a weird thing where it's something so popular, but it's so obvious why it's popular. It's not to do with hype or anything else besides it's just a brilliant arrangement of music. So. Well, I mean, yeah, it became it became popular, but I guess initially, like the label was not feeling it. Yeah, like they were like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah, because I guess that's there's probably a lot of truth to that that they initially wasn't uh, received with open arms from everybody, but it it charted pretty well. It charted pretty well. The singles charted pretty well. For for anything to. It's just such a hard standard to hold them, you know, when you're when you're when you measure it up against, you know, Beatles or Kinks or other Beach Boys records, it's hard anything is going to be hard to stand up and say, "Wow, that was as good or charted as good." So it it is I mean maybe it's unfortunate in retrospect that it didn't chart better, but but you know, the 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 masterpiece that it was is, you know, it was undeniable to, to most music lovers. Oh, I, I would say so for sure. Especially in retrospect. I mean, for me, like, like, like listening, like I'm, I'm not like the biggest beach boys guy, but that record is important to me because I appreciate it for those, like the, the concept and the textures and the nuances and all these things that make it like so grandiose. Um, that's what really gets me about it. Like, but I'm not like a fan of like Beach Boys music, you know, too much. I appreciate it and I understand it's like cultural significance, but it's never been anything that like resonated with me uh, super heavy in terms of like, oh man, I need to go out and like make sure I have all the Beach Boys records in my record collection. Um, yeah. But, and so to me, like looking back on it, like, you know, thinking that, you know, maybe it wasn't initially received very well by the label or anything like that. It's strange because to me, it just sounds like a Beach Boys record. And, you know, it's obviously it's not as like fun in the sun, kind of like early, more. It's a more mature record, uh, but it still is like it's just a great Beach Boys record, like without, you know, without anything else added to it, I guess, in, in my mind. Um so it's strange to see why, or to think that the label wouldn't have been like, oh, this is just a, a masterpiece, you know? I, so I yeah. don't know. I don't know. It's kind of like, it's very, it is very natural that it's not so happy, shiny in the sun. Yeah, it's sad. It's pretty sad, man. There's a dark, there's a dark overtone. It's kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy, but it's, it's almost as if like a child grows up and eventually the child's not got you know, 
they they were kids when they were making these these surf songs. So naturally, as as well, shit, he was still a kid pretty much. As they grew as they grew up, you know, into their later teenage years and early twenties, it, it, you know, it does. It makes perfect sense that, and once they were out from under the production of the father of, yeah. uh, and they were able to really get a grasp on exactly what the sound they wanted, and it was a uh, a great thing. But I think you're right. It's just like. You might not. It's and some things have to grow on you, just like you were saying. Maybe you didn't like it immediately at first. Oh, totally, totally, yeah. Some things do have to grow on you. I think I was just immediately receptive to it because of that memory as a child of the man surfing on the van and team team. We gotta thank Michael J. Fox for that. I thank Michael J. Fox for a lot of things in my childhood. <laughs> He was he was quite the he was a uh, very positive influence. He very he very much was, that's for sure. Hoverboard, you know, yep. those crazy Nikes. You know, that that those have uh, influenced my uh my whole world view. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. Yeah, he should get more credit for sure. Yeah. Big up uh Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Um so yeah, so um you picked the God Only Knows track. Uh, obviously, that's like a... You know, that was one that I thought someone was going to gravitate towards quicker. Like, you actually... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how many people I had reached out to or heard back from before I had contacted you, but I thought, you know, obviously, I thought the singles, kind of the more well-known songs, were going to be um, kind of picked up by folks initially. Uh, but it didn't seem to be the case, and you were one of the first ones to pick one of the the bigger songs. That, like for me, that's a that's one of the songs on the record that I really know, you know. Yeah. And I think most people do. So I mean, obviously it's a good song, but what I mean for you, what is uh what does it kind of hold special to you? It's probably not just my favorite arrangement on that record. Um, is for I guess favorite is in as far as in regards to how it sounds and how it feels to play on the piano. Um, but it might be one of my favorite songs to play by anybody. And, uh, it was at first I kind of, I thought I might pick another, but once I asked a couple people, uh, John Alderson, uh, played bass on it. I asked him for his input and he said, it was a no-brainer. God only knows that's the song. If nobody's yeah. picked that song, take that song because and I, and he kind of reminded me of what I already felt, but hadn't come to exact you know as quickly as he did. And that 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 was easily the song that I think he and I had actually even played that song together before in the past. And I know I played it with Casey Seymour that played the percussion instruments. Yeah, I know I'd played it, played around with it before it just has a a great mix of string arrangements and uh different the harmonies are very very hypnotic and just really probably the you know probably the one of the more psychedelic things you'll hear in pop music in my opinion is the beach boys harmonies and at that point on pet sounds they just perfected it beyond explanation i don't know if that had to do with with brian wilson's uh focus whenever he was recording it he, he seemed to intently fo focus on those harmony arrangements which are really really uh 
pretty out there if you think about it, all the different sounds in it. Just the vocals alone are are incredibly. It's like somebody singing beautiful harmonies on top of a Mozart song or something, and it somehow just works. Well, I just think that, I mean, I, I guess I can only assume that, you know, that being from where they came from and, like, as I'm sure having a history of loving, like, doo-wop music and all that type of stuff, like, where those harmonies kind of come from, like, it, it only makes sense that that that's really where the, the focus lies for, for him, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, in my mind, just thinking about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they are there. And, you know, like I said, I'm not too like musically uh, like well versed or anything, but you can tell the complexity of them and they sound completely unique and strange. Yeah. They're very strange. Very haunting. Yeah, yeah. In a way, yeah. almost like there's some ghost in the room or something. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's an intentional sound that they went for or if that's just, I think that's probably most likely just the the what you get whenever you put a lot of voices in cadence with one another and singing over one another um i thought it's particularly cool how he i believe he selected uh carl to be the lead vocal on it so Mm -hmm. that just reading stories like that kind kind of seals that's just evidence of you know his commitment to creating a unique vocal sound letting someone else sing the lead and then he could even focus further on the back the background voices you know yeah well him him kind of knowing understanding the arrangement too and who's you know who's better and what uh uh what's the word like who fits the the tone range correctly for the song and knowing what's best for the song and kind of like Mm -hmm. you know setting setting the ego aside i guess and 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 knowing what's best for the for the actual tune so i mean yeah that's a lot of lessons in the the record a lot of real life lessons yeah definitely (laughs) definitely listen up if you ever uh if you got some questions about life make sure yeah you you could you could rest assured on pet sounds if you got (laughs) i have a minute you got an existential crisis you know just put on pet sounds yeah and uh, it's you know it shows the strength of what he became as a producer. How good of a pro- that's another strength of the record is just how how great of a producer the guy was. How old was he at that record? Uh, was he like in his early twenties? I want to say twenty something, early twenties, early to mid. I, I feel like, like I remember. Yeah, I would th- I would guess like twenty four, twenty five. But I might be wrong. That's I'm, sure that, to I'm me. sure it's on Google or something. Yeah, yeah. I probably should have done a little homework before all uh, right. beforehand. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, like obviously, so for you, it was a pretty obvious pick. Um, I mean, you guys did a great job in terms of the lushness of the record. Like the mix is fantastic. You got the the French horn in there and the strings and. My favorite, my favorite aspect is just that slap back on the percussion, man. How it starts off with that. That I love. Yeah, that that, that is that that little uh, percussion noise that you hear is actually a birdhouse. Oh, we you were, were telling we were, me that, yeah. We, we were searching for a for a you know a percussion sound that made sense, and I guess uh, we we were. We didn't weren't getting what we wanted out of the snare drum or any of the 
traditional drum pieces. So we dug through Brett Orson, the producer's uh, backyard, and Casey Seymour comes out with the birdhouse that <laughs> that Brett's that Brett's father or mother-in-law had made. And he said, "What in the hell are you doing with the birdhouse in here?" And Casey just kind of gave it a few taps, and uh, we put a mic on it, and we thought per- it just it, somehow it just it fit perfectly, you know, to to get. I mean, I can see it. You know, it's basically like a, a wooden box. You know, it's going to produce a cool effect. And I mean, that kind of goes with the. I think it was cedar wood. Oh, okay, cedar, of course, in Austin. Yeah, <laughs> knock some of that cedar dust off it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I mean, for me, like you know, that kind of ties into the you know how the record was actually really done. Is like, I mean, Brian Wilson was bringing a lot of outside just weird noises and stuff like that and, and different um, things to just get different sounds uh, for this record is what what I understand. So, I mean, that kind of approach is, uh, it seems to align with the ideals of the record, you know? That's, I've kind of kept that in mind. Uh, it, I, I kept that in mind, not just there, but in, in any recording scenarios I've had. It, you know, that just goes to... Brian Wilson's a heavy influence and and not just as far as well, I like his songs, but it's his technique too. Like you're saying, yeah. to bring, bring in wild cards. Is like, I like to call them wild cards. I had a, I had a few wild cards on the track and I try to, <laughs> and I try to make that uh, a regular, you know, thing, not just every once in a while, but. It's, oh, I uh, do too, man. I mean like even like, and, and not even coming from that mindset, but just in terms of like, I mean, the music that I love, I feel, is always strange and unique, and there's always unique aspects to it. And, you know, if you go back to a lot of those records in the 50s and 60s, like, a lot of them had, like, novelty sounds or strange things that they would put in the record to kind of, like, you know, you, you'd open your ear to it a little more if there's a unique sound on there where, you like, you can't mm-hmm. really place it. You're just like, what is that? That's that's really cool. Like, how did they get that sound? Um and uh, yeah, and I think that's something that pop producers were doing back in the day. And I mean, for me, like with alternative music, I always gravitate towards things to to have that kind of unique uh, sound to them, I guess. And I try to yeah. incorporate that as well. Um, another free another wild card we had was uh, I made a tack piano out of an acoustic electric piano, and a tack is like a honky tonk. It's literally a thumbtack on a uh on the end of the hammer so that the hammer is hitting the string of the piano and it's making a thumb a thumbtack bomb it's some and that and you can hear a lot on pet sounds where uh they tinkered with the insides of the piano you can hear that a lot especially at the beginning of uh the second track which the name is escaping me but the se- the second track of Pet Sounds, the opening few notes have that sound where you can hear the string being played with. So I took kind of use that inspiration to add to the God Only Knows track. Whereas in, I think in the original recording they used a har- they, they must have used some kind of harpsichord or yeah or yeah something, something we, like that. And we tried to to some degree we tried to recreate what what they did but anytime you try to recreate what you 
what somebody else is doing, you cannot help but do it your own way because you're yeah you, you're so. yeah you're a conduit to the energy and you just filter yeah. it out in your own way and yeah that's kind of how it, how it goes. But that influence is I, I think that's that he had a good good instinct about recording, which is pretty inspirational. Yeah, I w- I would say for sure. Um, yeah, you were telling me about that tack piano thing. I think you were explaining it to me one night, and I didn't really quite understand. That's pretty cool, though. Is that so? That's like a common thing, or like, is it a thing that people do, or is that something that you did like just off the cuff? Well, the, I'm familiar with it because in the p- the first piano that I l- I learned, I started taking lessons when I was about six, and the piano that I practiced on at home had a a tack pedal on it so whenever you push the pedal down the tack would would fall down and it would oh wow so it was built into the piano and and i think my dad like my dad rigged it up and i think he liked it because he was into ragtime music scott joplin it's yeah it's common it's common in what became known as ragtime music and that's uh, what i was thinking that sound i was like when you were saying that i was like it sounds like a ragtime thing yeah yeah yeah. okay all right but you'll hear it on some some country and western some Mm -hmm. you know you'll you'll hear that throughout and some and it kind of sound a similar sound to a harpsichord except you know it's like a west you know more country western harpsichord yeah it sounds like you're it's a piano it's not a piano, it's a piano. I think I have heard people call it that before. Have you have you ever seen that Simpsons episode? And like Homer is like sitting at a piano and this like he's in like a saloon or some shit for some reason and a and an old like prospector comes in and he's like play some piano and he starts playing like a Mozart composition or something and then like the prospector dude like shoots a gun off in there. He's like, I didn't say piano. I said piano. And then he just starts playing like some ragtime shit. That's awesome. I don't that's think always, I've seen that. Oh man, that scene, like that, that's one of those scenes that'll just like jump into my head every once in a while. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so this was a record to you that was just, you know, you always held in high regard. Um, but it, I mean, it's held in high regard, I guess, early on in in the terms of like psychedelia i guess you know because i mean it and from what i understand it inspired the beatles you know the beatles inspired brian wilson and then brian wilson inspired the beatles and there was kind of this like rivalry i mean do you do you know anything about that uh that aspect I, of it i mean i've heard i'm not sure of the exact timeline and such i, I, yeah. I like to i like to think that they were ver- you know influencing one another in a healthy rivalry kind of way and it seems like everybody back then was to a degree i want to say rubber soul came out and then i think it was rubber soul and then they made pet sounds and then sergeant peppers beatles made sergeant peppers and then i think maybe then smile or surfs up got out after which i loved i loved those a lot too so i i love i i kind of embrace all those and you're right there it seems like the rivalry though maybe made gave us better music oh yeah we gotta stop we gotta stop having these bands get along man there's gotta be yeah more, they really there's don't gotta need be to more. be getting along <laughs> if if justin bieber and miley cyrus would just start beefing man we'd have we'd have they're good right now but we would have we, we you know we're talking to turn in mozart beethoven then Hey man, we'll see. I, I mean, I'd love to see what the Beebs is doing next. I, I'm pretty and I'm pretty stoked on what the Beebs is doing these days. That's why it's good for all the beefs, you know. I mean, the beefs are probably 
or relatively good. They can't go too far, obviously. But well, uh, I don't know. I mean, what's the last contemporary beef? It's been like Drake and Meek Mill is like the last. <laughs> And I, you know, I don't know about all that. So I don't know if, uh, whether or not they're, how much they're inspiring one another. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know. You told me one about PM Don and KRS One. Well, yeah, I think ended bad. I <laughs> yeah, guess. I think. Uh, yeah, what I th- was yeah, it ended for me to hear. It ended PM. Like, yeah, I guess KRS One dissed PM Don at a show or something, and they were there, and then it just kind of like their career just was done pm don was done after that i want some rock and roll beef though man rap beef is like commonplace i feel like every every mc has beef with somebody like i'm pretty sure that that jack white and the black keys make oh they got a beef yeah they got a beef they make one another better it seems like because um i don't know i I mean i don't really listen to either of their music at this point so i don't know i don't know a whole hell of a lot about the supposed beef but it, it seems like it would be inspiring to you know just want to make something better yeah. than a homeboy down the street you know well just, i mean i i feel like everyone kind of has that uh, i would hope every artist kind of has that like drive or at least enough of an insecurity with themselves to to have someone else's art like put the fire under their ass mm-hmm. to do something better you yeah. know i don't know but uh it's kind of it's kind of interesting to think about that the back in the day that there was there was the rock i don't know if it was a beef really but yeah a healthy competition yeah that's about all i know about that really i mean i, I know that they liked one another's i've heard i've heard that paul mccartney said that god only knows is his favorite song and oh wow so i mean they've got a they were really listening to one another which is pretty cool to think about beatles yeah. sitting around a record player listening to pet sounds it's kind of a cool image to conjure up what uh i mean when when was the when was the first uh beach boys record when did that come out was that i mean that was obviously before the british invasion because surf surf came before the british invasion from what i understand i can't remember which was the first surf record i want to say it was like 1960 or 62 yeah real early and then and then we i guess then we had the beatles what was that 64 was the british invasion I think so. Yeah. With Something the Stones like and the Beatles. Yeah. Not just to name a couple, you know, but I guess that was a beef too, America, America and Britain. We've been beefing for a long time. Well, yeah, I mean, that's uh <laughs> since the beginning, I think. <laughs> 1776. Yeah, since 1776 there's been the <laughs> that was the first British invasion. Yeah. That's where oh, the man. the roots of the Pet Sounds Sergeant Pepper beef <laughs> lay. Yep. Well, that's yeah. History repeats itself, huh? It does over and over. Yeah. Oh man. Well, this is great. I think this is uh, I think we got some good stuff in here. Well, I'm glad to be involved, man. I really thank y'all kindly for inviting me to do things with y'all. Oh, dude, it's a pleasure, man. It's it's you Beyond did a excited. fantastic job. You did a fantastic job, and uh, I'm really happy to have you on the comp and to have had this conversation with you and uh, have you involved. It's my pleasure. Cool, man. Well, uh, thanks so much, and uh, you know, we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. All right. So yeah, that was my interview with Chris Catalina. 
um, talking about Pet Sounds, Brian Wilson, Teen Wolf, all sorts of important childhood memories. Um, yeah, Chris Catalina is uh, super talented, y'all. Uh, I can't emphasize that enough or reiterate enough. You can get his newest project. Uh, it's a split with Christian Bland and the Revelators. It's a split EP. Um, that's at the Levitation slash Austin.com um, web store. Uh, you can also get the Pet Sounds Tribute record, Reverberation Appreciation Society presents a tribute to Pet Sounds. That's for sale up there as well. Levitation-Austin.com and it's just at the record label uh, in the online store. So pick those up if you haven't yet. They're both great records. Um, they're not going to last long and um, hopefully we can make more cool stuff. So you got to support the, the record label, the RAS. But anyhow, um, yeah, just uh, stay tuned. Keep with us. We're going to keep this thing moving. We got a few more podcast interviews regarding the Pet Sounds compilation, how that came together. Some more great bands coming at you. I got to do some editing this week and next. And uh, just we're just going to keep trying to put these out with interesting content, um, with interesting, talented people. So stay tuned for more elevated transmissions. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. This is Al Lover signing off. Peace. 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 Peace.